Well, DC fans, we got a lot to talk about. There's the DC slate that finally got revealed. I know a lot of us have been waiting for several weeks now, anxiously and patiently waiting, or maybe not so patiently, waiting for announcements, for clarity, for answers. Did we get that? All of that and more here on the Speed Force Media Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Speed Force Media Podcast. My name is Derek. Joining me usually would be my wife, Eleanor. We are going to be doing a bonus episode together, and we will go into further detail in all of the announcements. And plus, after this press event that James Gunn and Peter Safran did that obviously the public didn't get any sort of video footage of, there's been a lot of reports that have been coming out seemingly every hour, giving us more details and more information that James Gunn didn't share on YouTube, on the six-minute, I think it was, video of kind of his DCU slate reveal. In the press event Tuesday morning, they answered a lot more bigger questions like Ezra Miller's stuff, the controversies and whether or not they are going to continue on as a flash they clarified on henry cavill they talked about jason momoa playing lobo and aquaman now they didn't mention lobo by name but they did say things like jason momoa or we won't have actors playing two different roles in our universe which adds a lot to the confusion of things like jason momoa going on social media posting these videos where he seems super happy, super excited. He's going, thank you, James. Thank you, Peter and David. Thank you, my man. Seemingly saying, yeah, I can play Aquaman. I can play some other things too. We don't have any answers to that, unfortunately, which is what I think a lot of us were hoping for with this DCU slate reveal. I could be wrong on that, but the general feeling that I'm getting from the online DC fandom is that a lot of us are really excited. Some of us are feeling kind of eh about the DC Slate reveal. And that's kind of how I'm feeling. There's certain projects that got me really excited, feeling really optimistic about the future. And then there's some other ones that I'm like, eh, this seems definitely very James Gunn. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It doesn't mean I think that they're going to be bad projects. But there's a lot to get into. And by the end of this video... I'm sure there's going to be more information regarding the press event and more information that James and Peter delved into during that press event. If you are interested in some of that information, you can come back to the channel where we'll have individual shorter episodes as well as, like I said, a bonus episode with my wife, Eleanor. But with all of that down, let's get into the actual information that we know. By now, I'm sure you've all heard that there's going to be a DC Elseworlds label for films and projects like The Batman, The Batman Part 2, Joker, Joker Fully At Do, Teen Titans Go. And, you know, when they mentioned Teen Titans Go, I started to wonder about all of the other DC animated projects, all of the straight-to-home video animated projects, which some of them are bad, but some of them are really good. And I wonder if films like the Justice League, The Flashpoint Paradox, or The Dark Knight Returns, 
if those kind of movies are still going to get made under this DCU studios hierarchy or if it will get labeled DC Elseworlds or if they're just going to stop doing the DC animated movies. Who knows? I mean, we obviously know that there's going to be animated projects in the works, but will it be under just the DCU or are we still going to be getting the DC Elseworlds? I think DC Elseworlds, they were talking about maybe a few years ago doing a DC Black Label, kind of the same thing, but it makes more sense just to call it Elseworlds, I think. I like the idea because it doesn't restrain you at all and it keeps the door open for filmmakers that Warner Brothers holds in high esteem like Matt Reeves, like Christopher Nolan, like Todd Phillips who don't want to be shackled to a cinematic universe, who don't want to have to worry about having the Flash show up. And I think it's a good thing and also I think it's a great way to have Batman, which is a very popular IP for Warner Brothers, it's one of their biggest, if not their biggest, to be able to be in this DCU, to be able to interact with all the characters from the comic books, like he should, in my opinion, but also to be in a safe area where he doesn't have to interact with those people, where he's the main hero, the main character of that world or universe, if you will, and he's the priority. In franchises like Tim Burton's Batman, Christopher Nolan's Batman, and now Matt Reeves' Batman. It works out very well, not just critically, but also financially. And I think that DC Elseworlds is a great way for that to continue. We heard that the J.J. Abrams and Ta-Nehisi Coates Superman movie is still in development, surprisingly. I I, I don't know. I, I would rather have Man of Steel 2 be put under that DC Elseworlds label, but that's just me. Maybe it would cause too much... Uh, split between the DC fandom and they are trying to bring all the DC fans together of course which you know I don't know if they're doing the greatest job right now but with DC Elseworlds and having the DCU you def you're gonna have twice as much Batman and if you don't like one you'll have the other and not just for Batman but for other characters like Joker and who knows what else down the road but for DC Elseworlds, I'm going to give it a thumbs up. I think James and Peter are making the right decision on this. And then James went on in his video, and he was very careful with everything he said about the four DC EU movies, the ones that were you know produced under Walter Hamada, that we're still wondering, even after the press event, even after this DCU slate reveal, if these four DC movies are going to be part of the DCU. James said, Peter and I have been pretty lucky with the next four movies coming out. Shazam has always been in a weird place in the DCU, so that connects very well. Now, then he said Shazam leads to Flash. I don't, under, I don't know if he's saying Shazam connects very well to the DCU, if Shazam connects very well to the flash he did say it leads directly into it what does he mean by that does he mean there's a post-credit scene that says hey uh something's happening in this next movie and there's some sort of connective tissue between these four movies or if he's just saying yeah the next movie that comes out he's very very vague and very careful with his words and he said a lot of things 
without really saying anything at all, I think. And it's kind of frustrating, I'm not going to lie, because I think a lot of us were hoping not just for some announcements, which it's great that we got 10 announcements. We were all probably expecting three to five. But a lot of us were hoping for answers as well and for some clarity. And honestly, I feel even a little more confused after all of this. But he went on to say Shazam leads to Flash. Flash resets the entire DCU. Blue Beetle, that is a kid, that is a marvelous part of the DCU, which leads to Aquaman 2. And then he didn't really say anything about Aquaman 2, which I thought was interesting because, you know, Aquaman's a huge franchise. Jason Momoa's a great actor, is a popular IP. So you'd think that they would have maybe mentioned it. I don't know. Maybe there's not much to talk about. But he uses words very, very carefully, He, you know, saying the Flash resets the DCU. Okay, so does that mean Blue Beetle is the beginning of the new DCU? He did say that he is a marvelous part of the DCU. So I'm sure, you know, we're going to get into that. But what do you guys think that means? Do you think he's just playing coy? Do you think he's going to be part of James Gunn's DCU? Or do you think James Gunn's just kind of blowing smoke with some of these comments? He said, you know, which leads to Aquaman 2, which leads directly into the next projects, which chapter 1, Gods and Monsters. Now, he mentioned chapter 1, Gods and Monsters, and went on to announce Creature Commandos. So Creature Commandos is an animated series that is going to, I believe he said, coming to HBO Max. And I don't think there's really a whole lot of people that are familiar with it. I could be totally wrong. I'm certainly not. But when I saw the images of Creature Commandos, it did seem like something James Gunn would do, right? It, it looked kind of Guardians of the Galaxy, Peacemaker vibes, right? Very obscure characters. I don't disagree with the decision, of doing creature commandos. I think, yeah, it looks like it could be a fun, action-packed uh, space comedy, but in an animated format. So you don't have to break the bucks with the CGI. It's pretty unlimited. But for your first project, I think it's a little weird. Creature commandos is going to be the first project that DC Studios puts out. At least, unless, you know, things move around, things are totally possible to be moved around but i thought you know we were starting with superman but anyways that that was just my only little tidbit there but other than that i would i would be interested in watching this series just because it's going to give us a little bit of insight hopefully into the kind of animation style dc studios is going to be moving using moving forward the potential for other characters that we are familiar with showing up and honestly the rating is it going to be something like Teen Titans Go? Or is it going to be something like Invincible? I'm really curious to know. It is James Gunn, so I would probably lean more towards The Boys Diabolical or Invincible. But I could be wrong. The next project announced was the live-action TV series Waller. With, of course, Viola Davis reprising her role as Amanda Waller. Which, I'll give you some insight into what my wife thinks, which you'll hear more of her thoughts in the bonus episode, but this project did not make her happy. Now, understand, we are both 
big fans of Viola Davis. We both recognize she's a wonderful actress, and she's a great actress, and she is probably, I don't know if you could have cast the role of Amanda Waller better than getting Viola Davis, but I will say that she started in David Ayer's Suicide Squad, right? And then was in the Suicide Squad, Peacemaker, and now in her own TV series. And it raises a lot of questions. We heard Dave Batista say earlier this week that he's not going to play Bane because James Gunn is casting for younger roles to lead for a future DCU for many years to come. And that everything is getting rebooted and they're recasting younger. Okay. So Viola Davis is continuing to play Amanda Waller. James Gunn said that, yes, some actors will stay the same, some actors will change. And I think with this DCU slate reveal, a lot of us were hoping, not all of us, but a lot of us, were hoping to get some casting announcements and to get some clarity onto who's staying and who's going. Is Shazam getting a third movie? Is Aquaman 3 getting a third movie? Is Wonder Woman getting a third movie? Is Ezra Miller going to continue as The Flash in the sequel? These are all things I'm thinking about while he's mentioning the Waller TV series, unfortunately. He mentions Team Peacemaker, all of people that we've seen before. So it it adds to my confusion, and which is why it kind of dampers my excitement a little bit for this series. Now, I'm still going to watch it. Don't get me wrong. I'm still totally going to watch it. But just right now, with the information we have, it kind of is pointing towards either A, a lot of the characters are probably going to be the same, and definitely the characters that James Gunn has worked with are going to be the same, but not Henry Cavill, not Ben Affleck. But there's another potential. There's another possibility. Maybe, now he didn't say this, but maybe Creature Commandos and Waller are part of the DC Elseworlds label. Or maybe they're a part of just whatever timeline they're going to call Shazam 2, Aquaman 2, Flash, and Blue Beetle. Because the reason I think that is because James Gunn then immediately went on to say, okay, here is the true beginning of the DCU. The true beginning of the DCU, Superman Legacy, July 11th, 2025. And then from that point forward, we get no more information about any characters we've seen before. We got Lanterns, The Authority, Paradise Lost, Brave and the Bold, Booster Gold, Supergirl, Swamp Thing. Nothing to do with Amanda Waller, nothing to do with Peacemaker, nothing to do with the Suicide Squad, Shazam, Aquaman. And during that press event that James Gunn and Peter Safran were at, And we'll talk about this in shorter individual videos as well throughout the week so we can go into further detail. That they're going to wait and see, obviously, how the films do at the theater. They don't want to say, yeah, we're not doing Aquaman 3 before Aquaman 2 even comes out. But also that they don't have a plan right now for characters like Aquaman, Shazam, Wonder Woman, even adding to the confusion. So with Waller, what do you guys think? Are you excited for this show? Are you, are you pissed off like my wife thinking, okay, so the Seuss, everybody that James Gunn has hired and worked with is safe, but we don't get the people that I want to keep? How are you guys feeling about it? And 
Does it add to your confusion? Because it's certainly adding to mine. Whatever you think, let us know in the comments below, as we always love to hear your thoughts. Now, Superman Legacy, which of course Waller is going to lead into, or maybe not. He was very, very vague throughout this whole presentation. The Superman Legacy, July 11th, 2025. All we really know is that it's going to be about kindness and how Superman is a kind person in a world where kindness is no longer the cool thing to do. Their kindness is no longer popular. And it immediately reminded me of Superman versus the Elite. It's a DC animated movie. You can check it out on HBO Max. George Newbern plays Superman again. It's wonderful, especially the third act. I've always thought since seeing that movie, this would be a great way to use Superman again. To do a Superman sequel to Man of Steel or whatever. Because let's face it, a lot of the general audience kind of is iffy on Superman. Whether you love Henry Cavill and think he's born for the role, whether you hated everything Henry Cavill has done, or whether it was because of Superman Returns, there's a lot of people out there that kind of mock Superman nowadays that just don't think he's cool because, you know, he's not the Punisher, he doesn't kill people, he's not as edgy, whatever, whatever the reasons may be. Obviously, Superman's still popular, still a very prominent IP, of course, but there are a lot of detractors from Superman, especially in comparisons to Batman. Superman versus the Elite, or Superman Legacy, has a great opportunity to show a story where Superman leans into that, where he says, all right, you want me to try it your way? Let me show you what it looks like when I try it your way. And when Superman starts to go down that path, a path where he's willing to kill, or at least he's making you think he's willing to kill in order to win, which is what the elite has been touting all along, which is what the fans have been cheering for, is the elite in with the in, in with the new, out with the old, which the old would be Superman. Putting this in a live-action movie where Superman could be going maybe up against the authority in the first movie or maybe a uh, sequel down the road, I think it's a great story. You don't need a huge, big budget for this. You don't need a big third act CGI fight or Skybeam, you can tell a really great, beautiful story about how kindness and truth, justice, the American way, yada, yada, is out of style, out of fashion, and how Superman can somehow make it relevant. I don't know if they can pull it off. I thought they did a good job in the animated movie. And, you know, I'm, I'm definitely speculating on the fact that they're using those story beats but from what James Gunn said at the press event where, you know, it's a world where kindness is no longer the right thing or no longer the popular thing. I think they could be leaning into a lot of the same story notes from Superman versus the Elite and, of course, the comics where it came from. And I think it's a great story. Now, the fact that we don't have a casting decision, I'm not jumping over the moon about this project. I'm not super excited. I'm still mourning the loss of Man of Steel 2 and mourning the loss of Henry Cavill's Superman. But I am excited for the future. I would be lying if I said I wasn't excited for the future. And I am excited to see a Superman movie again. 
Now, Lanterns was a live-action TV series that is coming to HBO Max. It is no longer going to be the Greg Berlanti-produced series where Peter Safran said at the press event Tuesday morning that Greg Berlanti's version was more of a space soap opera, and this is going to be more of a crime mystery. Now, an HBO Max-produced, written with Jon Stewart, Hal Jordan, I think has great potential. They've gone through a lot of different versions of this HBO Green Lantern series over the last few years. I know they had an Alan Scott and Guy Gardner one, I believe, in the works for a little bit, and then they changed it to Jon Stewart, and they were going back and forth. I am honestly... I honestly believe that this is going to be the best outcome for Green Lantern. Yeah, it sucks that we're not going to be getting a theatrical movie. I would have much rather have seen that. But maybe they're just so scared of the theatrical version of uh, Green Lantern from, you know, the Ryan Reynolds movie that they just think, oh, no, there's no way we could make a box office success with this. I just don't believe that. You're James Gunn. You made a box office success with Guardians of the Galaxy. Green Lantern still has a bigger IP in today's world than Guardians of the Galaxy did 10 years ago or 15 years ago, however long it was. I don't believe that money was the reason Green Lantern's not getting a theatrical movie. I think, honestly, from a storytelling perspective, a TV series might be the way to go, especially if you're doing a crime mystery. And they, you know, they've been comparing it to all sorts of different series. But with Hal Jordan, Jon Stewart, two of the most popular, beloved Green Lanterns by most DC fans, you don't have to choose which one you're going to go with. Like The Flash, where you have Barry or Wally, and Wally's constantly getting the short end of the stick. You get both in this series. And it's going to be coming after Superman Legacy, which I think is great. I also thought it was really interesting that James Gunn said, John and Hal are going to be on Earth most of the time, and they're going to discover something that connects to the wider DCU story moving forward. So obviously, they're already going to start creating that connective tissue, very much like the MCU did in Phase 1. You're going to have your Nick Fury scenes or your Thanos post credit scenes showing what maybe the future might look like 10 years from now, a Justice League movie or whatever it may be, I think we're going to slowly kind of start building towards that in Lanterns, which I think is really exciting for those characters that have just gotten the short end of the stick and not gotten proper representation in the last 13 years. Then that brings us to another DC film, The Authority. Now, I'll be honest, The Authority is a team that I had heard of maybe once or twice. Wildstorm Comics is one of those comic book companies that I think were popular in the 80s, 90s, etc. And alongside Image Comics, were just comics companies that I just never got into. Not that I didn't think they were interesting, but I just never had the chance to be exposed to them really until now. And once you start Diving down in Image Comics, Wildstorm, which was then, of course, absorbed into DC, you can find a lot of really cool characters, whether it's The Boys, whether it's Invincible, or in this case, The Authority. And in The Authority, there are multiple different, I don't know about the team, but in that universe, there are multiple different versions of a kind of Superman-like character. 
I think that's going to be really interesting, adding some extra heavy-hitting characters to the DCU pretty early on that also have a moral gray code that are not just a yuck-yuck Superman wannabe or clone, if you will, but ones that are morally gray, ones that think that they have positive intentions but are willing to absolutely do terrible things in order to get them done. Now, after this release, I've done a little bit more of diving into the authority and all those characters. And I will say that some of those Wildstorm comics get pretty crazy and get pretty graphic. I don't know if they're going to be able to go that deep, which I think with James Gunn, I think deep down he wants to. But because he's going to attach it to Superman and he's bringing in the authority into the DCU... I think we're going to get a much more restrained version of those characters and some of those comics, not all, but some of those Wildstorm comics, a more restrained version because James Gunn already said Superman is going to Superman legacy is going to be PG 13. And this world, this universe is being built around that Superman and Superman legacy is going to directly tie into the authority. So I think those are a lot of, signals pointing towards probably a PG-13 rating. Now, if you look at the Batman, the Batman got away with a lot, severed fingers and all. I think you can do a dark, gritty The Authority film. I just don't know how graphic it's going to be, if it's as graphic as the comics. But there are some really cool characters. Apollo, I believe his name's Midnighter. And honestly, the whole team are a bunch of heavy hitters that I think is going to make some very interesting combinations in the DCU. Now, maybe it'll flop on its face. Maybe it'll be the MCU or the DCU version of the Eternals, where there's a lot of really great, rich lore and great characters that could be utilized in a lot of different special, cool ways and a lot of heavy hitting characters like Icarus, for for example. That just and maybe it just doesn't work out. Maybe they get underutilized and don't get used in the proper way and they fall flat on their face. But as of right now, I didn't know who the authority was a week ago, but I am excited to see the movie. But what do you guys think? Are you excited for the authority? Would you have rather have heard that it's a new Wonder Woman movie or a new Flash movie? I'd be really interested to hear your guys' thoughts down in the comments below. Thanks so much. Moving on to the next project, Paradise Lost, which is a TV live action series going to HBO Max, and apparently it is a prequel to The Mascara. If you haven't heard all the information about it by now, I'm sure you can go and find all the information out there in the world. Said to be a Game of Thrones-like political drama. I thought in the first Wonder Woman movie, and even in Zack Snyder's Justice League, I thought The Mascara was handed, handled really well. And I wanted to see more of that. And I wanted to see a movie about those characters in that world. But because I haven't seen James Gunn's version of Paradise Island, I'm really honestly not all that excited about this project. Now, I'm not trying to be a pessimistic. I know there's a lot of people that are really excited for this project and think that this sounds great. And on paper, it definitely does. But I, I just need to see a little bit more from it and learn a little bit more information. Maybe hear the showrunner, some writers, and maybe some characters on who's going to show up if there's anybody familiar at all. It does pose the question of why are they going for a political thriller, HBO Max prequel series, Game of Thrones-like series when you have a Game of Thrones prequel political thriller already on there. 
but maybe they want their DC version and their Game of Thrones version. Of course they do. More streaming, the better. And like I said, on paper, I am excited to see it, but not all that excited because I have no idea what it's going to be about other than the fact that it's a prequel to Wonder Woman. She's not going to show up, but we are going to see some cool political themes and drama from the mascara. Now, honestly, during James Gunn's six-minute video revealing the DCU slate, there was only one time where I stood up off my couch and got really excited, and that was when he announced The Brave and the Bold, a theatrical film that will introduce Batman into James Gunn's DCU. Now, I should say that I love Ben Affleck as Batman. I know he doesn't want to continue on as Batman anymore, but if he did... I would love to see it, and it sounds like we are not going to get Ben Affleck in this movie, and that's totally fine. If if Ben doesn't want to do it, that's cool with me, but I will miss Ben Affleck as Batman, but I am looking forward to Batman being in the DCU. I know James Gunn has said, yes, Batman is going to be a major part of the DCU moving forward, but a lot of us had questions whether or not Matt Reeves' Batman was going to be tinkered with, if it was going to be brought in to the DCU, if it was going to be canceled because James Gunn has future Batman films planned. And a lot of us have been wondering, does that mean we're going to get two Batman movies, maybe even in the same year or within a year of each other, one sitting in the DCU, one not? And that's probably what we're exactly going to get. Now, maybe not within the same year or so, but we are going to get a Batman movie in the DCU, which literally just made me jump off the couch in excitement because Batman is an incredible IP, of course. He's an incredible character. And the opportunity to get to see him interact with other comic book characters that actually have superpowers, you know, the Swamp Things, the Supergirls, Superman, Hawkgirl, Green Lantern, some of the best interactions in Justice League, the animated series, or Justice League Unlimited, was Batman interacting with other superpowered beings. And although I love Matt Reeves, the Batman, and I'm very excited to see the Batman Part 2, there's no chance we're going to see a comic book accurate version of Poison Ivy, Mr. Freeze, Clayface, Swamp Thing in the Batman. But we totally could see it in Brave and the Bold, which is why I got so excited, because it means we're going to get the best of both worlds from Batman. We don't have to choose, and I think it's great. I know a lot of people really love Damian Wayne, and I know a lot of people really hate Damian Wayne. I'm a little iffy on him at times, but overall, I'm a big fan. There are some of those DC animated movies that I think are crap, and that I think center around him, but Some of them aren't bad. Some of them I actually really enjoy. And Damian Wayne is a badass Robin. They said he's going to be an assassin and kind of an asshole. And I think that is definitely the way to go for Damian Wayne. Now, hopefully as he grows up and gets older, he matures and he becomes a little more relaxed, maybe a little little less murderous, and a little more patient. I think that is my biggest thing with Damian Wayne is that when he's introduced Deathstroke, Ra's al Ghul, Talia al Ghul, the whole works I think is very, very interesting. And if that is going to be a story element where 
whether or not Deathstroke's involved or not is just speculation. But if Damian Wayne is going to be a descendant of Ra's al Ghul, I think adds so much to this movie and has me very excited. And I'm sure a lot of you guys excited. And it also adds to the potential of seeing Damian Wayne grow up and to see if he becomes a murderous version of Nightwing, which I think would be very interesting, or if he becomes his own thing. It also opens the door for Dick Grayson, Robin, uh, Tim Drake, Red Robin, Red Hood, of course, the entire Bat family, Batgirl, and Terry McGinnis, maybe even down the road. But who knows? That's just speculation. Obviously, you can see with this announcement, my brain is going all over the place. But what do you guys think about Brave and the Bold? Or The Brave and the Bold? Is it Batman and the Brave and the Bold? I think it's just The Brave and the Bold. But whatever you think, let us know in the comments below. So we always love to hear your thoughts. Now, I think one of the announcements from the DCU slate that is going to get a lot of you guys excited is Booster Gold live-action TV series. HBO Max, he's kind of an out-of-water, from the future, having an identity crisis, imposter syndrome. And really, that's all I know about the series, and I think that's all James Gunn has really talked about it thus far. It'll be really interesting to see if Blue Beetle shows up, because Blue Beetle wasn't really mentioned other than his solo movie. And we know Ted Korg and shows up a lot of the times together, and a lot of their best stories are together. I think a lot of people are all, have always wanted a buddy cop movie with Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. I don't know. It'd be very interesting to see. What do you guys think down in the comments below? Are you excited for Booster Gold? So James Gunn and Peter Safran announced Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow, a theatrical film based off of the comic series under the same name. It is a story where Supergirl is basically stranded on a rock outside of Krypton, watches everybody that she loves dies in torturous ways, and she's a little jaded. She's a little edgier, and she's not the same Kara Zor-El where we've seen in animated adaptations and comic book adaptations, video game adaptations, where she's very lighthearted, where she's almost in a lot of ways a lot like Clark. This interpretation, she might be a little bit more like Batman. She might even be torturing some fools. Who knows? But I could see her even being a little edgy like that where she's willing to torture people because she doesn't see why she shouldn't because she's not grown up with a family. She hasn't grown up on Kansas. She's had a terrible life in comparison to Clark. And maybe when she meets Clark, she might have some resentment towards him. She might have some jealousy towards him. I haven't read Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow, but I think this overall idea of having Supergirl kind of stranded on her own is her origin story and her first film is really, really awesome. I know I don't know if she's going to be stranded out in outer space the entire movie or if that's just going to be the launching point because, like I said, I haven't watched or I haven't read the series, so I can't speak for the comics or how much they're going to adapt it. But this is very different than the Supergirl movie that we got before or the Supergirl series before. And it's very interesting to know, or I'd be interested to know, if Supergirl from The Flash is going to be Supergirl in Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow. I know a lot of people are speculating about that. I'm probably leaning no 
if I had to put it under over under 50%, definitely under 50%, maybe over 10. But just because I do think that James Gunn is going to be moving in a complete new direction and is not going to be using any characters from the Flash movie moving forward, unless it's maybe Jason Momoa or Michael Keaton in like a Batman Beyond project. But as far as Supergirl goes, I think unfortunately for Sasha Cali and for Leslie Grace's uh, Batgirl, even though that's its own project, I don't think we're going to see those characters moving forward. But regardless, I'm still very excited for Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow and honestly was one of the more exciting projects that was announced. But what do you guys think? Are you excited for Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow? Or would you have rather heard about a Hawkgirl movie, a Wonder Woman 3 project? Whatever you think, let us know in the comments below. Bringing it to the last project that James Gunn announced, which has a lot of people excited, is Swamp Thing. Now, he said it was going to be kind of a horror film. We'll see how much horror they actually lean into it, if it's going to be rated R. He said it was going to tie into the DCU, but also kind of work as a standalone, which has me excited. Is it going to be DC Elseworlds? Because he did mention the fact that it's going to be a standalone. I don't know. In this whole presentation, he was very, very vague about literally everything. He said a lot without saying anything at all. And Swamp Thing was another one of those projects. But since the press event Tuesday morning, which is different than the video that he put out, the press event that the public didn't really get to see, there's been reports and reports and reports every hour coming out about more things that were said, more things that were talked about and addressed during that press event that honestly I think the public should hear about would make us feel a little bit more relaxed about some of the uncertainty and some of the anxiety surrounding the future of the DCU. But one of the things that has come out is that James Mangold, director of Logan, is officially in the talks to direct Swamp Thing. Now, James Mangold's been rumored for a little while, and he's definitely made his voice be heard on social media. He's like, hey, James uh, James Gunn, if you ever want me over there, you just give me a call. I'll, I'll gladly make the drive. I think adding James Mangold could be really cool for the DCU. Now, it is kind of interesting that the way James Gunn introduced his DC slate, because we kind of would have thought that Swamp Thing would be coming last in this DC slate, and yet we are already hearing talks for directors, but we don't even have a director for Superman Legacy. I think that's a little head-scratching, but that's just me. What do you guys think about Swamp Thing? Are you excited? Did you watch the Swamp Thing series? Are you familiar with the character? Whatever you think, let us know in the comments below as we always love to hear your thoughts. And that will do it for this Speed Force Media podcast. I know there's a lot of information to go through this week. Sorry if I rambled and went all over the place. Eleanor is usually the one keeping me, keeping me in line. And, of course, you can watch any of the Speed Force Media podcasts moving forward, 4 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, every Wednesday here on YouTube. You can check us out on Spotify, Amazon Music, if you'd rather have an audio-only version of the show. Of course, come back on Saturday for the Slasher Saturday podcast where we're going over Brightburn, James Gunn's first kind of tackle at Superman or a Superman-like character. And as always, you can check out our individual shorter news videos throughout the week as we're going to go into a hell of a lot more 
information that has come out from the DCU press event and many more comments from James Gunn. And I'm certain I'm certainly sure that you guys have a lot of questions and a lot of anxiety as well. But we will try to cover as much of the information as we can for the rest of the week. That will do it. Thanks for watching. And if you enjoyed this video or any of the videos we put out, make sure to give this video a like. Hit the subscribe button as it really does help support the channel and reach more DC fans like you. Thanks so much. That will do it. Have a great day.